0: Welcome to the Inside Nature podcast. I'm your host, Eric Olson, digital producer for Nature. Today we're speaking with Anne johnson prom producer, cinematographer, and founder of Coneflower Studios. Anne has produced a number of films for Nature, including 2010's Hummingbirds, Magic in the Air, and the Emmy-nominated miniseries Animal Homes. Her latest, Super Hummingbirds, airs on PBS October 12th. I spoke to Anne on location in Texas. So I understand that you're in Texas right now?
1: I'm in Texas where it's wickedly hot.
0: So what are you doing in Texas, if you, if you can tell I me? I am
1: filming uh, the next nature show that I'm doing on butterflies and moths. So we're down here um, following some scientists who are using radar to detect butterfly migrations.
0: All right, great. Well, I'll, uh, I'll just launch into my list of questions that i have for you (laughs) (laughs) so you just locked picture on the film super hummingbirds which premieres on pbs this fall can you tell us a little bit about the film and also how is it different than hummingbirds magic in the air that you produced for nature in 2010
1: so uh, i produced magic in the air in 2010 And that was a great hit for nature and for nature lovers. People just really gravitated to seeing hummingbirds on screen and learning about their stories. So uh, here we are, you know, six years later, and there's still a lot of stories about hummingbirds that are, you know, coming to light through new science and scientists using new technologies. So I thought that there were still a lot of stories that we hadn't covered in Hummingbirds 1, I mean, it's a group of you know 338 species, and uh, you can only sort of focus on a maybe ten, six to ten species in depth in the film. Right. But this film is different in that we use. Uh, we went to very different places. We went to Brazil, uh, Costa Rica, Colombia for the first time. I'd never filmed in Colombia before. Uh, Peru, in the in the Caribbean, and. So we focus on different species, we focus, we follow different scientists, and it's, a, in my opinion, I think it's a much more intimate hmm. uh, film. We are really up close and in the Hummingbirds world in a way that we weren't able to do in Hummingbirds 1. Hmm. So, and lastly, it's all shot in 4K, so oh. it's just kind of stunningly beautiful. <laughs> um, hummingbirds Magic and Air is beautiful, but I am... I think that this is uh, the clarity of the imagery and just the texture of it, I think is, is really, really, really great.
0: What are some of the unique challenges of filming tiny, quick-moving creatures like hummingbirds?
1: Yeah, I mean, just what you can imagine, that they're there one second and they're gone the next. So trying to keep it, the animal number one in the frame <laughs> that you have and then number two in focus because we're using telephoto lenses and a lot of times we're in very dark places. So we don't have a lot of, uh, depth of field. So our F stops, you know, we're usually shooting with our lenses, our apertures wide open, like F2, F2 F2.8. So our field of focus is tiny. And then you put into that uh, a really fast moving bird, a tiny fast moving bird, uh, it just becomes super challenging. And it's, um, takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience you know we call it staring at a bush amongst my teammates here and I, and I uh that we spent a lot of time waiting and hoping and being really optimistic that things are gonna get better in the next shot <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and and you mentioned that that you go on location to most of these places or all of these places mm-hmm. to film mm-hmm. film the hum, hummingbird so you're you're actually the person that's staring at the bush, waiting for that bird to arrive.
1: Correct. You know, I'm, I'm the producer and, but I'm also a cinematographer. So myself and another cinematographer, Mark Carroll, who were, we shot pretty much everything in the film between the two of us. Um, and also we had a fellow Andrew Wex with another cinematographer that did our Peru high altitude scene for us. Um, Yes, yeah, so we're very small crews. We, you know, travel light. We have a real plan and we're going to these places because hummingbirds are known to occur there or we're going to a place because it's a be- we know that there's a behavior that hummingbirds do in that area that we're trying to capture. Right. And um, we use obviously a lot of local knowledge, local people on the ground to, you know, have hummingbirds in their backyards or their back forests and come across them.
0: So, yeah, I mean, that that's uh, that's another interesting question is, um, you know, how do you find these hummingbirds in these big desert landscapes or, or what have you? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you approach that?
1: A lot of it, you know, sort of, you know, I can use a military that analogy that, you know, you prepare for everything before you ever, you know, set foot out the door. So we do a huge amount of research before we ever start filming. Mm-hmm. And we talk to scientists and uh you know sort of hummingbird enthusiasts, I would call them amateur expert amateurs who know a lot about hummingbirds and uh people that we've have known from our first film who have come and helped us on the second one so you know in places like Ecuador and Peru, there are local people that I've worked with on uh, hummingbirds one, but also on other films since then who I know know a lot about hummingbirds or locations and I'll call them or email them and ask them, you know, how's the season going? Is this a good season to come down? And, you know, they'll say, oh, no, it's horrible. El Nino has ruined everything. But um, so it's a combination of, you know, scientists, uh, academic scientists who are Mm -hmm. doing research and Ph.D. Candidate students and local people.
0: You know, making a film like this, you mentioned there's 338 species of hummingbirds. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you approach a film like this? Where do you start um How do you determine which species you're going to focus on and, and which ones you aren't?
1: Yeah, so I think for me the this you know when I proposed this film to nature, i did a had to come with a big uh, a proposal that proved to Fred Kaufman, the executive producer, that this was going to be new and different. So for me, the process is just starting in the scientific literature and go reading and researching and calling people who are working on hummingbirds and saying, what is the new and coolest research that's going on now? And then from that, you sort of start a calling process of what you can actually get and what stories are going to come across really well on film mm-hmm. uh, and what are stories that, know that you know that nature viewers would you know, be like, oh, my God, I never knew that before, which is sort of where we want to have people feel it after they've viewed the film. Um, so from that, I think we called stories that, uh, are great and are going to really excite people and see things new about hummingbirds. Another personal thing I had on this film, since hummingbirds occurred mostly in Central and South America, I really wanted to highlight the research of, you know, Latino, Latina researchers. Right. And so, uh, I have a great, we have a great researcher, um, Alejo, uh, Guevara, who's from Colombia. And then uh, Marcelo Arroya, who's the Costa Rican, and they both are just you know young, up and coming, brilliant young men, and who have great careers ahead of them. Uh, Marcelo spent five years in Costa Rica in the rainforest, filming with like five cameras all over the forest, filming this one species of hummingbird where the males dance and have a lek to attract females. Huh. very cool. And and hummingbirds, magic in the air. After I showed Fred Kaufman the rough cut. He was like, You know, Anne, this is great, but you didn't get any mate you didn't get any copulation, you know? And I thought, Oh my goodness, how could I ever get that? You know, they're so small, they're moving too fast. I'll never get that and then when I met Marcelo, he was like, You know, I have a copulation on film from all my res my two thousand hours twenty thousand hours of research footage. I actually got one copulation. I was like, Yes we got it. I was like, that's going in the show, that shot. And sure enough, it's in there. And oh. after I showed it to Fred, I was like, so, Fred, we got copulation this time.
0: And he smiled. That's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Yep.
1: That's
0: pretty fun. So, yeah, um, speaking of scientists, uh, you know, your, your films in general, I would say you, you feature uh, scientists, which isn't always true of, of wildlife films uh, as sort of a genre. Right. Um, mm-hmm. How do you get these scientists to participate? Is it or is it difficult? Um, you know, I know some scientists are kind of uh, reticent to reticent. Yeah,
1: reticent. You know, it all depends on. Unfortunately, some uh, production companies, you know, run ripshot over uh, scientists and their and their work. Um, and that I think that's a minority, small, tiny minority. But unfortunately, it has a big consequence. Um, I think you just have to be true to their work. You know, if if their work, the story doesn't turn out to be something that's going to be good for television, then you need to pivot away from it and just, you know, be frank and up front. But I also think, I mean, we try, and the folks at Nature try. I mean, before in our rough cut, I send the rough cut out or the section that involved that scientist to them and say, can you fact check this? And they have the video and they have the script. And it's not always fun to get back their critique Um, but we know that we still have the time to make the changes that will be accurate and we can you know rest assured when we that film goes on the air that we're not going to you know nothing's going to blow up or they're going to be upset because they they have final say not final final edit obviously we do but we you know ultimately give them you know a, a big big hearing, but I do have people, you know, work with me, you know, in, in the post-production and they're like, wow, you know, a lot of producers don't, or a lot of teams, or a lot of, you know, whatever, don't, never want to give the stuff to the scientists.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a little you know, scary. They don't care back. <laughs> yeah, it is,
1: it is, but you have to trust that it's, I, for me personally, if the show airs and the scientist is unhappy, I mean, that just, you feel horrible. Right. Right. You know, it, so I, I'm trying to avoid that feeling. Right. I want them to be, you know, like, you got it. You know, thank you, you got it. And that's and, and that's sort of where we're trying to, that's the bar we're trying to hit. I hope, I don't know if we always get there. <laughs> <laughs> we're fine.
0: What is the most surprising thing that you learned about hummingbirds through the course of making films about them?
1: Well, I don't have one profound thing. I have sort of a whole broad brushstroke of hummingbirds. Number one, How individual they are in in a species and between species like certain species are just like very calm around you and tolerate your presence others will let you forget it they'll never have anything to do with a human being they're always they're always going to be 50 feet away and then even within species how individuals will sort of accommodate and are much more comfortable around people or at least our cameras than others and so that's just sort of a personal uh, observation. And then I think on a bigger level, just how incredibly remarkable they are. You know, all this evolution got them to an amazing place. And they, you know, migrate huge distances, live up high in the Andes. There's, you know, there's a sense when people think about hummingbirds, it's cliche now that they're, you know, delicate and jewel like, but they're actually really tough and ornery. Mm hmm. And uh, that just constantly resonates to me that they are, you know, always looking for opportunity. They are, will push another hummingbird out of the way to get to the front of the line, kind of. You know, they're tough and they're aggressive and they're um, mm-hmm. in your face a lot of times. And I think that they are going to be okay as we, you know, as a planet changes because they're so adaptable at least certain species, I hope, are so adaptable to opportunity and always looking for new opportunity and looking you know, for that next resource or where's that next flower blooming. To me, hummingbirds are just constantly always on the move, always active, always doing something. And it's you know, always really entertaining to, to watch them and be around them. I love it.
0: That was Ann Johnson-Prom. Be sure to catch her new film, Super Hummingbirds, on PBS October 12th at 8, 7 Central check your local tv schedule for the exact time and for more podcasts full-length episodes behind the scenes footage and much more visit the nature website at pbs.org nature until next time i'm eric olson